0: Shaking Cats and Kittens, I'm Rob Lee from Getting to the Truth in Its Art. And this podcast is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Bazaar. Bazaar is a gift shop for those seeking the strange and unusual. Got morbid curiosity? Got an interest in natural history? Bazaar's got you covered. Bazaar specializes in antique medical equipment, jewelry, prints, funerary antiques, and many other morbid gifts. The inventory is ever changing. I'm wearing a great death's head moth pin, And I'm enjoying this hand-poured candle called Overgrown Cemetery. It's great. It has the studio smelling awesome. Head on over to 3534 Chestnut Avenue in Baltimore, Senantham the neighborhood, and see what they got to offer at Bazaar. Tell them Rob Lee sent you. Welcome to getting to the truth in this art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today's guest since 2005 has been a reporter for the Baltimore sun covering crime and police accountability for the last 13 years. His book, we own this city, a true story of crime cops and corruption was released on February 23rd from random house. We have Justin Fenton. Welcome to the podcast. Hey there. How are you? Thanks for having me. I am fantastic. And thanks for uh, joining the, the pod. Um, So big things are popping for you. (laughs) And um, I wanted to talk about your work a bit and get into some recent developments. So thousand foot view, you know, uh, I like to just say what the person does, but you get into really what you do and what your work is about.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, so I've been at the Baltimore Sun since 2005 and I've been covering crime and courts and police accountability, uh, since 2008. Um, so, um, you know, uh, that included covering the the death of Freddie Gray and the, the uprising and the charges of, against the officers. And then, uh, this, this case, when this gun trace task force corruption case came out, um, and, you know, I decided to, uh, write a book about it and wrap it all up, just sort of trace the path and the policing strategies of the agency that, that sort of led us to this point and also tie in the, the, the death of uh, detective Sean Suter. Uh, so that book, uh, um, uh, it's been a couple years in the making and, uh, it came out at February 23rd and I'm, um, uh, you know, I'm excited about that. And, and then, uh, Just last week, it was announced uh, that it's going to be turned into a HBO miniseries that's going to be produced and written by the the same people who did The Wire. Uh, So, uh, yeah, like you said, a lot of things are popping at the moment.
0: (laughs) That's that's good stuff. And congratulations, your first book and all. So I'm glad to hear that uh, big big things are going on for you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, So. In, in this podcast, we like to talk about like the just kind of giving a real uh, point of view on on Baltimore. And I'm glad that you use the, the terminology earlier of uprising instead of what other people call it outside uh, riots and so on. Um, what is it like? being? What's it like been covering uh, crime in the city that has a reputation for being, quote unquote, dangerous or a, quote unquote, bad city?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of different layers to our crime coverage, and that's why I use the different terms like police accountability, criminal justice. I mean, really, um, there's so many different ways that we can cover it. We can cover it on a policy level. We can cover it on the neighborhood level. We can cover crimes that occur. We can occur, we can cover police misconduct, uh, courts. You know, I've tried to cover all of these things uh, in my, you know, time at the Sun, because I wanted to get the different views. One of the things that frustrated me as the police reporter was that I would like go to a crime scene and and everybody is standing around and saying, you know, we don't know who did it and why did it happen and it's sad, but there's no like answers. And so I actually asked at some point, can I cover the courts? Because I want to, I want to cover. You know when the answers come out, when people yeah. take the witness stand, when the detectives have to show their work because they never talk to us while the case is pending, they file something in court, and that's really all we get so i mean um and then you started to see like questions being more- you know raised about police work when they get cross examined and have to uh, you know explain themselves and and stuff gets thrown out and you know in my early days of covering the police department, they used to just complain about the courts and the judges. Uh, the prosecutors and the judges, I should say that, you know, the, we arrest people and the, the courts let them out. And, w- and when you get a chance to cover it at the court level, you see why they're getting thrown out. It's bad police work oftentimes. Right. Um, and that doesn't like circle back like no one's explaining to them sometimes what they should have done instead. Um, so, I mean, you know, we also try to do good stories, but I, I, I often say that's sort of not my department. <laughs> there's, there's, other, there's other people at the paper who are supposed to be doing the type of neighborhood stories and features and stories about restaurants and arts. You know, I, I, off, I unfortunately cover the, the bad news. Um, but, uh, you know, when there's when there's good stories on the crime beat, we want to tell them, too.
0: So you, you you touched on, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. You, you touched on um, covering the quote unquote bad things. What do you do to kind of like balance that out? Like, are you watching a lot of Disney channel? What are you doing to kind of balance that out? Honestly, I'm uh,
1: surprised. I haven't been burned out yet on the beat, <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I, t- I tell people this, and this is the, this is the honest truth. It sounds hokey, but like I'm driven each day because I know the stories need to be told. You know, when I wake up and I see something in my email inbox or something on Twitter, that's just, I'm like, Oh my gosh, we we have to tell that story. Like we have to do the best job we can. And that keeps me driven to keep doing it for a palate cleanser. I mean, yeah, I watch I watch baseball. I watch football. I watch. I got back into the NBA during the quarantine. I hadn't watched the NBA in 20 years. Used to be a huge fan growing up. uh, And I I like stopped watching it. I don't know why, maybe it's because we don't have a team here in Baltimore, but uh, I got back into it. So those are some of the things that, and the, and I, I definitely like. I've been going on some some walks and things like that. But those are my palate cleansers.
0: Yeah, um, like I I do a podcast outside of this, and we're covering like weird news and and pop culture. We're kind of it's usually like weird crime. And my my buddy just looks at me. He's like, "Where are you finding these stories?" I was like, "They're all real. COVID's not stopping these things from happening." And he was like, it's a lot of murder today. And I was like, well, you know, I might have to switch it up a little bit. And it's like, don't worry. I want to watch like supernatural or something. That's really just a pure collar cleanser for me. So what, what what was that? What was that reason or that kind of aha moment for you deciding to pursue journalism as a career path?
1: Yeah. And, um, so growing up, my family got two newspapers. I grew up in the suburbs, and uh, they got two newspapers: a morning paper and an evening paper. And I delivered the newspaper. All the friends, all my friends in my neighborhood delivered the evening paper. You know, I had the rack on the bike, but I didn't. I really wasn't, you know, thinking that that was something I wanted to do. It was just something I was around. And honestly, in high school, <laughs> trying to put together like college applications, like I didn't have any. Activities. I wasn't right. in the SGA. I wasn't on the chess team. I didn't, I wasn't playing high school sports. And I was like, I got to do something. I got, I got <laughs> to get this resume looking better. And so I started writing for the high school paper and, you know, interviewing people is uncomfortable to me inherently. Like, I, I feel like I'm, um, somewhat introverted. I, I, I stuttered growing up um, and it's uncomfortable for me, but it gets me out of my comfort zone because in order to do a good job, you have to be fearless. You have to ask people tough questions. You have to you know, not take no for an answer. And so, but, but that's skipping ahead. Uh, so I, I, mean, once I got to college, I worked for my school paper, the, the diamond back at the university of Maryland. And it just, you know, just went from there. I went to journalism school. I was going to be a journalist. Uh, not, not everybody needs to do that. You can study other things and become a journalist. But to me, that was just, you know, if that's what I want to do, that's what I should do. So I've worked at the sun ever since, um, other than an internship in Cincinnati, my junior year, uh, I've always worked for the sun and I like covering Baltimore. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's important that needs to be covered. It's tough stuff. Um, but it's, you know, it's rewarding when you get to tell the story and you can get to the bottom of something.
0: Yeah. I think we all are searching for truth for getting to the bottom of something. And that's what you're doing. So most appreciate it. Uh, so you, you touched on a little bit there. That's what, that's what happens when you get out the questions early. Uh, (laughs) so Share some of those other qualities you mentioned the the fearlessness and kind of getting out of that comfort zone, and I mean, I echo that same sentiment of um interviewing people I've been doing nothing but this podcast and during this pandemic, and it's like uh, it's, it's it's a bit much sometimes, especially depending on who the person is speaking to founders of like major museums and things like that. I was like this is yeah. unnerving. Uh, but what are some of the qualities in in your opinion that have made you a good journalist and maybe other ones that you find for like other good journalists that you may not do the same work that they're doing but you admire those traits
1: yeah uh, that, that's a complex question um i i you know i I think um that uh one of the things that marks my journalism is um, like being dogged and just staying with stuff. I I, I want, I always wanted people, whatever I was covering, whether it was, you know, the administration at my college or when I was covering the county government and my first beat at the paper, I wanted people to think of me as the go-to, as someone they had to, to read someone who was, you know, you know, if there was something happening I was going to be covering it. And then you hope that you then become, um, that people become a source for you, that people will reach out to you with, with, uh, with more story tips and more insight and more, you know, to help improve your coverage. So that was one of the things I, I, you know, got on Twitter in 2009. And just, it was such a great extension of my work where Mm -hmm. I could like tell people everything I was up to. And I could not just write a story at the end of the day, or that you would see in the next day's paper, but I could like minute by minute posts, like what I'm thinking, where I am, like things that didn't work out. Like people don't understand the amount of effort. I think that goes into some of this stuff Um that's, that's prohibitive. That stops you from doing other stories sometimes, or, or, or that takes up your day sometimes, you know, like, what is he doing over there? How come he didn't write about X? It's like, it's cause I was working all day on Y <laughs> <laughs> or, or sometimes we write like multiple stories a day. So I always wanted to be like, the man, I guess you could say, or the, or the, 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 the go-to person on, on my beat. And so, you know, but then like, as, as you do it longer, you start trying to like switch it up, you know, like I want to write like a long form story and that might take a long time and I got to work on it on the side or like a, a series, or I'm thinking of even doing like a podcast at some point. I'm working on a story right now that is like really crazy and complicated. And my thought process about going about it I think is going to be more interesting maybe at the end of the day than the actual story I come up with or the conclusions I reach, but I've never done a podcast before. But um, anyway, um, yeah, I I just, I want to like have a, a, a diverse like range of like things Areas I'm covering, going back to what I said before about how like there's always different ways to cover this beat. Like, and our work should reflect that. Um, so I don't know if that was exactly what you're looking for, but
0: <laughs> no, 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 definitely. Um, like the, the main thing I got out of it was just dogged. It's like you want to be that go-to person and let your work like reflect that. And um diversifying how you present your work, present your yeah. coverage and all. Cause I, I think that's important where we just get stuck like, oh, you just do this then it's all I can expect from me. But if it's like, I'm getting it out there in this different way or this different fashion, you can look at this coming from me. Just know that this is the stamp of approval, regardless of how you're getting it.
1: Yeah. And having the people that you cover appreciate it. I mean, we're not writing for the people we cover, but there's something to be said for when people like recognize it, like you understand, and you're communicating it back to the reader in a way that makes sense for both that both the reader and the people you're covering, like, you know, it's gotta like, and I think that's when you start to develop sources, which are key to doing the job. I mean, if I just wrote stuff off press releases or, or stuff that comes out, I mean, you, you really want to break down that, get behind that, get the stories that aren't being told. And a lot of times, you know, who, you know, and you
0: know, how, you know, who's talking to you is very, very important to that. Totally. So we're, we're in this kind of spot where, especially in a very, very low rent uh, bargain basement sort of way that I'm covering, like I'm regurgitating news stories uh, for that other show that I do. And I, I, it's it's always one of those things of being very niche and this is how I'm able to at least stay on pace. How, how has it been like, with just the news, just always, it's always something getting that story, getting it out there as almost as instantaneous as it appears. Like, how has that been? Cause that's, that's something that makes me very curious. Like the news is always going. So yeah. how is it like trying to report something that's always rolling? It's stressful because the paper has so many, so
1: fewer people than it used to have. When I first started at the sun, we had 300 people um, and we had, bureaus in foreign countries and a national staff. And we don't have that now, you know, we've got a small newsroom. It's, I mean, I, I think that the latest count was something like 60, 50 people even. Wow. And so like, and yet as the quote unquote paper of record, we are expected to cover everything, you know, there's a house on fire, there's a car crash, you know, and it's like, it's, it's not possible. So like, I think we're still trying to figure that out. Like we're, we still, we still have this, like this um impulse, to like, Oh, something happened. Let's cover it. And then it's like, ah, but is this important? And, and do we have, is this the where we make our mark? And so I think we're trying, you know, as we try to get people to subscribe to the paper and I think you're seeing a lot of sites doing hard walls with their subscriptions and saying, you know, if you, if you want to read this stuff, if you like this stuff, we really need you to subscribe. Yeah. It's important for our long-term viability. But I think that re- that raises the stakes for us to make sure what we're providing is quality content and stuff that is worth paying for. So, um, you know, uh, like you said, there's stuff going on all the time. We have a, a breaking news team that tries to respond to that. And then like, there's reporters like me who are juggling, like, okay, I want to be, I want to be the person who's covering this today, but man, there's a bunch of other stuff that I, I'm interested in too. And it's just a constant like juggling thing.
0: Totally. So in terms of getting, um, how, how, getting something out there, if, if there's a story that like you've been working on, you're like, eh, I don't, is this done? Is this not done? How is that process? And, and how do you know when something's like ready to be published with those kind of everything is going out and you wanted to get out there as soon as possible. That's always like being up against a deadline. Yeah. I mean, you know, you just have to size up each thing.
1: Is it something that, is this something we absolutely have to have up? You know, for example, like I covered the Arguments in front of the federal appeals court this week about the surveillance plane. And it's like, well, that just happened this morning. That needs to go up this morning or this afternoon. Like, it's got to go up. There's other things where you're like, you know, I was the only person there. Yeah, I went down to Virginia to cover this hearing involving a, a Baltimore guy who was a victim of the gun trace task force. Mm-hmm. And um, I was the only one there. There wasn't even Virginia media. And I called my editors. Yeah, I really want to sit with this. I really want to think about this. I want to do it right. And and I, I wrote it that night, but I, it went up the next morning. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a judgment call on our parts. The editors do give reporters a lot of uh, leeway on that. I mean, I think that um, you, know, you, you picture a newsroom maybe from the outside and think that there's these like, bosses who are like, you know, the puppeteers who are directing all the coverage and they're telling us what to do. And, you know, it's like, no, actually like, like the beat reporters are sort of trusted to go out there and, and co- go out into the field and come back with things and say, this is what I think of this. And then the editors will weigh in and say, no, I don't, you know, maybe let's try it this way or, um, but uh, I'm sorry, I'm getting a call here. Did I lose you? You're you still me. there. yeah Okay. Uh,
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's very reporter driven, I guess was the answer to that question. Like when I think of a newsroom or anything along those lines with an editor, I think of like antacid and cigarette smoke. That's <laughs> that you know that whole movie like dynamic or what have you. Uh, so we we we've kind of poked at it a little bit. Um, what what is that that day in the life report? It look like like is is it like super early, super long nights? I mean, I'm looking for bags under the eyes. I'm not really seeing them, but also, oh, I got them. <laughs> I got them. Uh, so how's that for you?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it's, um, again, every day is different. Sure. It's like, it's funny with, with, with the book coming out, people are like, can you do, uh, you know, an interview like two weeks from now? I'm like, I I mean, right now my day is completely open, but it won't be to that week. So let's lock <laughs> this thing in. Um, yeah, it can, you know, um, and, and I like to go out at, at night when stuff's going on. I mean, you know, I want to go, go out to, I want to have that varied experience. I want to go out to crime scenes. I want to go out and stuff's going on. If there's a city council meeting, I'm, I, I might be covering that if it's, uh, you know, about police policy. Um, yeah, uh, and then there's other days that can be slow and you're trying to catch up on those important projects that you work on today, for example, with, with, with quarantine and, and COVID restrictions. Yeah. I listened to a four hour, court hearing on my phone <laughs> in my kitchen and I was eating and, 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 doing things in the middle. And it, I mean, it's such a weird experience, but I, it sure beats having to get dressed up for court and sitting on a wooden bench for four hours. But, uh, you know, so that's it's, like, yeah, it's like every, every, you know, and, and again, that, that goes back to like being able to pick and choose what I want to do. And like, you know, that, that hearing I covered today, it stood out to me. Um, I thought it was going to be interesting. It was, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with it, um, I tweeted about it, but like, I'm not sure like if it's going to work for an article, I'm still trying to think about that. <laughs> My editor might want me to. Uh, so there's a lot of, uh, it's
0: done on the fly. I dig it. So this is, this is a point of the the pod where we kind of shift. And I'm going to do a little bit differently, but we kind of shifted to more of the shameless, shameless plug sort of thing or what have you. So I want to talk about the book, obviously, and um, then we'll kind of get to a last question to wrap it out. Um, okay. So, how's the response been to your first book? How, how's that? Cause that's, that sounds like exciting. I want to be a writer. How's that sound? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, so I never planned to write a book. I, I just, I, you know, I I'm a newspaper guy. I read newspapers. I, 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 I like writing long form, but I just, it hadn't really ever been something that really occurred to me and the opportunity was presented. Um, and it took a while to get the book deal. I, you know, a lot of rewriting the proposal, but, um, and, and I feared I was going to blow it. I really thought that I had a great, I had a great book to write, but I wasn't sure if anyone was going to give me the chance. And I landed with Random House, which is obviously amazing. I mean, you know, for, for having feared it wasn't going to work out, being at Random House is wonderful. And they've been very supportive. And, and I had a lot of freedom in how I wrote it. Um, and, and yeah, the reaction has been better than I could have hoped. I mean, I, you know, for a, for a Metro newspaper reporter to have his book reviewed in the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times and, you know, you know, for David Simon and, George Pelicanos and Ed Burns be making a show out of it. I, I could not hope for more, but I've been really also heartened by, I, I really wanted to pack in a lot of information. I talked about how this is sort of a culmination of like more than a decade of covering this stuff. Mm-hmm. I wanted it to be, I wanted people to understand, I wanted to include as much as I could. And I wanted to include a lot of perspectives. I wanted people to get a full view of things. And so I thought I turned in a book that was dense I thought it was going to be hard to read. I thought it was going to be hard to follow. I showed an early draft to my wife and she like, she put it down and (laughs) I couldn't get through it. And and this is an early draft, I should say, but like everyone's calling it like a page turner. They're saying, I've got people telling me, I haven't read a book since 12th grade and I I read it in two nights. And I'm like, really? (laughs) I mean, I could not have hoped for anything. If, If I was able to include all the stuff I wanted to include and, and, and I thought it was, I thought it was dense and people are saying it's readable. I can't ask for anything more. That's great.
0: So at this point, uh, I have one question. I didn't send it to you because I like to do this, I like to troll people just a little bit. <laughs> uh, and this is gonna be the most controversial thing you're gonna answer today. All right, I'm ready. This is, I guess, the ballbuster question. <laughs> Who has the best crab cakes in Baltimore? Who has the best
1: crab cakes? I, you know, I'm partial to Fadi's but that's cuz I like the Fadley's experience. I loved going to the market and uh, I loved that everything about Fadley's. but uh man I had a I had a crab cake at um what's that place in Limthicum? G Is it G&M? and m yeah yeah. Oh my god. It was the size of a softball. <laughs> it was, it was <laughs> remarkable. But I haven't been to Coco's yet, which I feel really bad about. I just I
0: don't I don't get up that way enough but uh Fadley's for me. Yeah, I um, I had an ex girlfriend. Her mom is, and they're from St. Louis. And her mom always gets an order of G and M shipped to St. Louis because they had they won here one time and had them like these are great. I don't care what it costs, ship them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and do they do they translate well? Do they ship well? I think they ship well. There's been no complaints. Okay. okay. <laughs> so good to know. Yes. Uh, so I want to, again, thank you for coming on. And let's let, so I, I wanted to give you the opportunity to shamelessly plug, plug the book, plug your cl- plug, your social media, all of that good stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely. No, I, again, the book is we own this city. Um, it's available everywhere, uh, local stores, chains, all Amazon, all that stuff support local if you can. Um, it is an ebook it's in Kindle. Um, and uh yeah, like I said, it's a it's a book about like 15 years of policing strategies that led us to you know, this epic scandal and and um you know all, all the ways that this I- intersects with things you've heard about in the news over the years. And, um and uh my Twitter handles at Justin underscore Fenton. Some guy signed up for Justin Fenton and he never even tweeted in like 10 years, but he's just sitting on that handle. <laughs> I hate it. But so that's my, also my handle on like Instagram and stuff like that. I post pictures when i'm out, out and about and uh yeah uh, i just appreciate you for having me on and for all
0: the readers who've supported me over the years and i hope people like the book so there you have it um, i want to thank you again for coming on to the podcast i'll do my sign off and i'll be that so um for justin fenton i'm rob lee saying that there is art and news coverage really good news coverage damn it in and around baltimore He's got to look for it